okay? So understanding is a lot having to do with the word or having to do with God's promises, bringing those inside of us and putting them into action so there's fruit. Now, has anybody got the seven, the seven uh, fold spirit memorized yet? The spirit of the Lord, right? The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of which one? Counsel and strength, right? Knowledge and the fear of the Lord, right? Spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, right? Now, uh, just before I really get into the scripture, we, you know, before we've gone over the, all the names of God, right? And um, there's only one God, right? Even though, even though there is uh, Yahweh Yireh, you know, Jehovah Jireh, our God, our provider, right? There's Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer. There is um, Jehovah Tzikenu, you know, God, our righteousness, right? There's Jehovah Nisi, God, our banner, right? All these, how, what, how God looks, there's only one God. It's very much the same with the, the sevenfold spirit of the Lord, right? There's, there's one spirit, but these are aspects to that one holy spirit, okay? So we, we can call on the name of the, the, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and spirit of understanding, and we need to be understanding that when we are filled with the spirit and when we have these different aspects of the Holy Spirit within us, that we have that power or that ability in us because of the Spirit, because of the anointing to be able to understand, comprehend, and, and walk accordingly uh, with the Spirit. Make sense? And a lot of it, because it is just one Holy Spirit, a lot of times they overlap. It's like the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit overlap a lot, right? Somebody with prophetic, a lot of times it'll be prophecy, and it'll be word of wisdom, it'll be word of knowledge, and back to prophecy, and back to wisdom, and back to knowledge, and they'll flow in and out of those very, very fluidly. So a lot of times you have wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all going back and forth, but we're going to look at a character in Scripture with understanding today. Did, did anybody get my, did anyone understand my hints from the, uh, the email this morning? Hmm. What would it be like if, let's say, in our town, the town manager knew of a great problem going on in town. Let's say the town was being sued over something. It's happened before. And they knew, the town manager knew that this particular case was going to be not only very important, but could be either very positive or very, very destructive in our town. What do you think it would look like if he called up the pastors in town and said, I need wisdom on this? Would you all come and, and counsel me on this? Or call the, 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 even just the, the town employees that are, he knew were strong, solid Christian Maybe even a council member or two that he knew. Or, 
Let's get all the Christians together and tell me what this I'm supposed to do here. Or if the governor, the governor knew that something was going on, you know, the town, the, the state was kind of going in and out of this. I know like a number of years ago, the state financially was really on a rocky spot. And he called up uh, like five or six of the, the, the pastors in the, in the town and the different in the state and said, would you tell me what we need to do? Show me the way to, to do this so that the state is productive. Or, or you know, think about what's going on in, in the world, you know, like with, with Hamas and what they just did to Israel or what Russia just did with, with Ukraine in the last couple of years. What would it look like if something was going along like 9-11 like happened to us and the president says, you know what, I need six, eight, ten of the pastors in the area could you come and counsel me? Tell me what we're supposed to do. How are we supposed to take care of the situation? How are we supposed to run the government? Could it happen? And, and several, several of you, I'm sure, are thinking, out of the three I mentioned, I'm not sure any of those are Christians. Have, think about it. Nebuchadnezzar was not a Christian leader. He was not a Jewish leader. He was not a follower of God, of Yahweh, right? But who was his head advisor? Daniel. Daniel. And he, had, he had other advisors, but who did he put in charge of everything? Daniel. <coughs> so, Daniel was one who had understanding. We're going to see this. So, how do Christians, how should we distinguish ourselves in society with this spirit of understanding? Because okay? I, I think it would be great if, if in, in our town if, or if in the state, if, if whoever's leading that, the governor or the, the, you know, several of the state senators or reps or the town manager or, or, the, or the town council would say, you know what, we've got this problem. Let me call the Christians because they'll know what to do about it. They will have understanding on this. How as Christians do we have that understanding and we distinguish ourselves in, in society that we might give society the understanding, not our own understanding, right? But the understanding of God, the understanding of the Spirit in the situation. Number one, we, we need to understand it's not about our own stature. It's not about your stature. What I, what I mean by that is it doesn't matter what you do, how old you are, what you look like, what your standing in society is. It doesn't matter if you are uh, homeborn or if you're an immigrant. It doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're man, woman, child. It does, it does not matter who you are in society. If it did, Daniel wouldn't have gotten in. Think about it. Who is Daniel? Daniel was a spoil of war 
to a huge extent. Right? Remember, remember this? Nebuchadnezzar uh, from Babylon went and surrounded uh, Judah, totally destroyed it, and took captives two or three different times. Daniel was in the first or second deportation. Okay, now Daniel probably, we don't know, but Daniel probably was um, some, you know, he was probably upper society in, in uh, Judah. Okay, we don't know. He may have been connected to the king in some way, but they took some of the best and brightest, but not, nonetheless, these were spoils of war. These were captives. Very possibly, they were led in chains. Okay, these were these were people who, when the war came on, they took them captive and they took them to Babylon. Now, for some reason, they they said, "Look, let's take some of the best and the brightest of this slave community, because that's what you were when you were spo a spoil of war. Let's take some of the best and the brightest. We'll train them. We'll see if they'll work for us." And Daniel and his, his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Az Azariah, right? That's not, those are not the names you, you heard in Sunday school. Right? But they, they, these were some of the ones that, that were taken and that they were uh, brought up in, in Babylon and, and ta taught the ways of Babylon. And they're the ones that they ended up the king Nebuchadnezzar began to rely on. So it does not matter your stature in society. By the way, this happened to Daniel twice. Do you know that? He was deported from Jerusalem into Babylon. But then he was in Babylon when Babylon was conquered by Medo-Persia. Think about this. He, he's a leader in there. What normally happens when, 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 a, when a state is conquered, especially back then, they came in and they got rid of everybody. Oh, you're the king. You're dead. So is your family. Boom. Get rid of all the, all the, um, all the uh, royals, all the leaders, anybody who's, uh, who's high up in government, you're gone. What about Daniel? Because he's high up in the government. Right? Remember, right when this happens... He was advising the, the king that was after Nebuchadnezzar. He was advising him. Remember the, um, remember the handwriting on the wall? They, they said, uh, the queen mother said, call Daniel because he'll know what it means. So he comes in and advises the king. And that night it says they came in and, and took over. And yet Daniel again distinguishes himself and he's one of the advisors of the new king. So it does not matter your stature in society. In other words, I don't care who you are in here. I don't care what your background. I don't care what your education level. I don't care uh, how old you are, how young you are. You can be used by God with the spirit of understanding in order to advise whoever or whatever in society, it does not matter your stature. Do not disqualify yourself. If Daniel could, could be the advisor 
for Nebuchadnezzar, if he could be the advisor for Darius and Cyrus, after they came in and conquered, then God can use any one of us. Don't you dare say I'm too old. Don't you dare say I'm too young. Don't you dare say I don't have the smarts for this. Don't you dare say, well, I don't have the education for this. Right? If the spirit of understanding was on Daniel to advise the king, the spirit can be on, of understanding can be on you to advise anyone here in society. Don't disqualify yourself. Number two, um, so it's not about your stature. Um, but then Daniel was committed uh, to uh, follow the Lord's principles. Um, there's a couple of these. I want, I want to show if I can get to Daniel. Okay, if you would start with Daniel 1, I'm going to show just a couple of these different things. All right? Committed to the Lord's principles. Okay? Committed to following after the Lord. Committed to, to understand. It's not just about Daniel um, being brought up right and his being wise and his doing whatever he wants to. Okay? Not about our doing whatever we want to. Daniel and his friends, they followed after the Lord's principles. Look at verse, chapter 1, verse 8. So they, they've brought in Daniel. They've brought in his friends. They've, they're, they're, they've committed to training him up. They said, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the, of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid that my lord the king has appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the uh, commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. And if you remember the story, what, what happens? Daniel and his friends look better than, than all of the rest. Right? Now, I, I'm going I'm to tell you, commentators don't exactly know why they um, chose not to eat the food, uh, but it, it seems like that some reason the, the food would have, have defiled them for, in some way. Either it had been sacrificed to idols, although that's more of a New Testament concept than it is an Old Testament concept, um, or it would have been um, food that uh, still had the blood in it. It was, not, it was not kosher in some way. They don't really know, but the, the idea is, is that they wanted to separate themselves. It could even be that... Um, that they did not want uh, Nebuchadnezzar saying, look what I've done for you, right? So it, it was a way to separate and say, you know what? Yes, I will be trained up uh, as, one of the, um, as one of the wise men in your kingdom, but 
I'm going to, I'm going to have a break in there where I'm going to follow after the things of my God. And so I'm going to, there's something in there that's got to break, and that's what I'm going to choose to have a break with. Okay? Again, commentators don't exactly know why all of the, that, that choice was there, but that's what they, they chose to make the stand on. And God blessed them for it. And there's two other, um, I'll give you the verse, we won't read them, but you know the stories. Um, uh, chapter 3 and chapter 6. Chapter 3 is with uh, Daniel's friends. Remember, you remember this story, right? The king uh, builds a big statue and says, everyone has to worship. When the, when the sound of the trumpet um, goes off, everybody bow down to the statue. And uh, um, at, by that point, it's not uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It's what? There you go. You all know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. They were there for cast, right? No? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They say, no, we're not going to bow. And so what does the king say? Well, I've already made the decree, so you're going to be tossed into the furnace. So they get tossed in, and the king looks and goes, didn't we just throw three guys in? Why is there four walking around in there? Let him out. Said the fourth one looks like a son of the God. Right? So they, they stood. Up. Remember the, the point? They, they followed after God's principles. They stood when, 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 it was, when their life was on the line. They said, no, we are going to still follow after the principles of God. Then Daniel has the exact same thing. Now remember, I, I, I know as a kid, it was, you know, Daniel always looked like my age. It was like, you know, 12, 13 years old or something, right? right? He was a kid when he got tossed. No, no, no. This was, this was after Nebuchadnezzar. This was after the fall of Babylon. Okay, so Daniel has already had a, a pretty good career with Nebuchadnezzar. Then comes, uh, the Medo-Persia comes in, takes over, and... Daniel is there with, with Darius, and uh, Darius gets tricked into making a law that everyone has to just be just pray to the king. And here Daniel is going up and opening up his um, windows towards Jerusalem and bowing down and praying and saying, Ah, that one there. He's going to be thrown into the lion's den. Right, so they, they throw Daniel into the lion's den. What, what does he do again, though? He, he, when his life is on the line, his principles, his following after the principles of God stand firm. What about us? When it all comes down and when it's, when it's possible, you know, for you to be made fun of, or looked down upon, or passed over for a job, or um, fingers pointed at you, or are you going to stand firm for the principles of God? Or will you just bend a little bit? You know, Daniel could have gone up in his room and, and, and left the windows shut. It's okay. I'm just going to pray in my prayer closet, right? That's the thing. Jesus said, pray in your prayer closet. I'm not going to open my windows. 
I'll, I'll pray anyway, they just won't know. Right? He could have hit it. He didn't. His principles were too strong to say, I am who I am, and I am going to still pray in front of everybody. It doesn't matter what the king says. This is what I have to do. This is who I am. Is it who you are? Is being a Christian so ingrained in you that everyone around you knows it? I've said this before, but you know, if Christianity was outlawed tomorrow, would they have enough evidence to convict you? Or would they say, hmm, I don't know about her. Can, can you drum up something on her? That guy over there. Steve, can we, can we find anything in his file that that says that he's a Christian? Do we follow after God so much that everybody knows? And when, when it all comes down, we stick to our principles. Of what the, the Word says it, that settles it. I'm going to do what the Word says. I'm not going to do what the Word tells me not to do. I'm sticking to my principles. Daniel was able to have the understanding, I believe, because he was committed to follow the Lord's principles. Number two, Daniel was, was humble. Um, flip over to uh, uh, the second chapter. I'm going to show you this real quickly. Do you remember the, the dream that, um, the ne that Nebuchadnezzar has? He has a stream, but he does something that um, that has never been done before, and it gets everybody in trouble. He tells everybody, hey, I've got this dream, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Now tell me what it is and tell me the meaning. And all the magicians and the conjurers and the wise men say, no king has ever done that before. Why don't you just tell us the, tell us the dream? Right? So it, the word gets to Daniel that the king's going to kill all the magicians. He steps in and he says, no, wait. I'll take care of it. Right? Let me go pray. And he, gets his, he gets his friends praying for him. He prays. And the Lord shows him what the dream is and shows him the interpretation. But look, look here in verse 27. Um, we start in 26. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered before the king and said, Of course, O king, I can tell you what that is. As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. Right? I'm not that smart, but my God is. I in myself, I can't, I can't nobody. 
can, can I just give you, give you an okeyism a little bit? Ain't nobody here that can do that for you. There's nobody that can tell you what your dream is. But there is a God in heaven who can and who will. Let me tell you what it is and what it means. Right? Daniel was, was humble. He did, not, he did not go in saying, yeah, this is my job. I'll, I'll do my job well. He said, no, no, no. There's nobody who can do this that God has. And that's how we need to remember the, the exact same thing with us. That when, what, what a testimony, when we are called on to give wisdom, to give understanding, to give insight, to offer prayer, that we say, no, it's not because I'm a super smart person, it's not because of my schooling, it's not because I, I can't do this, but my God has made it this way. My God has shown me that this is what you're supposed to do. I, I remember um, a friend of ours, this was, this was years ago, uh, he was uh, uh, in the meteorology department he had, and he, he was, was getting a grant um, to, if, if I remember correctly, he was, they were building a new um, uh, uh, NOAA. What? National, thank you. I just blanked. The National Weather Center in, in Norman. And he was getting a grant and, and getting all that all put together. And uh, he actually told the people, he said, this is how we need to do it. And they said, no, it can't be done that way. He said, yes, it will. Because God has told me this is what it needs to be done. And they, that's, how, that's how it happened. And it worked out exactly how he had said. And he, and he, he flat out told him. He said, this is, this is what needs to be done. And God is the one who told me that we, we need to do it this way. And, and by the way, um, our, our friend, you know, God, God, has elevate, God elevated him. Um, he was on the National Science Board um, under Bush and Obama, and then he uh, was uh, appointed as the national science director under Trump, and and had to go had to uh, move up, up up to D.C. So God elevated him, but he is one that um, he would tell you, just say, no, this is what God has said, flat out. It's not about, and he's a brilliant guy. Obviously, brilliant. Not that you would be able to tell if you talked to him. <laughs> he, is, he is funny, just uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant scientist. Okay, but he's one that would say to you, "God said this. It's not about my brilliance. It's not about my education. It's because God mentioned it, and God, God said it this way. Will you do the same?" There's a humility there. And lastly, to be repentant. And then I want, to sum, I want to sum this up. Look at Daniel chapter 9. Now, this is interesting because I had just said Daniel and his friends were committed to following the principles of the Lord, right? 
and yet to be repentant. Now, that, that, that means we need to repent of our own sins, but look what Daniel does in, in uh, Daniel 9. Um, I'm trying to just... I don't want to read much. Let me, let me start off here and I'll read just a few verses. Uh, in verse 1, the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made the king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. And it goes on from there. Daniel was taking his place as an intercessor and standing in the gap and repenting for the sins of the people of Israel. His own sins, yes, too. I'm sure he did that as well. But in Daniel 9, what happens is he's taking on the role of an intercessor and being repentant of the sins of the people of Israel. I think that's something that we need to do. I think to, for that spirit of understanding to come and to be uh, in not just our church, but in the, in the church, that we need, to, we need to stand in the gap for the sins of God's people. We, I think we often like to stand in the gap for the sins of the, the, the people around us. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's repent of, of abortion and let's repent of, of um, you know, the um, different stuff going on in society. You know, the, the satanic club and the, and the um, uh, you know, the whole transgender debate and let's, let's, let's repent of all these different things. But you know what? What Daniel was doing was not repenting of everything in Babylon or in Medio Persia. He was repenting of the sins of Israel. I think we need to repent of the sins of the church. Maybe there are things that you've done, I've done, or maybe it's just the church in general. Lord, forgive us for not putting you first. Forgive us for not being a, a people that, that stand on the principles of God no matter what the cost. Lord, forgive us for, for putting man's agenda before your agenda, for putting our trust in a man but rather than putting our trust in you. Lord, Lord, forgive us for not standing on your principles. Forgive us for letting uh, you know, gossip or criticism go on in the church. Forgive us, Lord, for, for um, not uh, making salvation count that it be being too easy that we did we, we're not adding people who come to repentance lord forgive us for filling the gap 
Let me show you the understanding of Daniel. He was able to interpret the king's dream. But what, what you may not know about Daniel, Daniel is one of the most detailed and accurate, not that they're none, none of them were inaccurate, but he was most, one of the most detailed prophets in all of the Old Testament. So much so that liberal scholars, which I am not, but liberal scholars think that Daniel lived much closer to the time of Jesus, like in the first or second century BC, because his detailed prophetic details were so accurate, they don't believe that anybody could prophesy that accurately. So he must have written it afterward and looking back and written it in history instead of looking at it in forward. And, and, and written it prophetically. That's what they say. That's what, not what I believe. I make sure that everybody knows that. I believe Daniel lived, uh, you know, between five and six hundred years before Jesus. And yet, in Daniel, look at look at Daniel eight. Um, Look, look at verse 15. So Daniel, I'm, gonna try, I'm trying to summarize this a little bit. Um, uh, trying to condense. Verse 15. Daniel had, had seen this vision. Okay, uh, there's, a, there's a little horn. Uh, there's a, a ram with a couple of horns. right? And he's, he's going, what is this all about? Verse 15 says, when, when I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, standing before me, was one who looked like a man. And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of Uli. And he called me out and said, and said uh, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. Okay, who's Gabriel? Okay, where else does he appear in scripture? Mary, do you think that might be significant? So he came near to where I was standing. When he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. Okay, would you be? I'd be a little frightened too. All right, let's not, let's not, you know, um, you know, give too, Daniel too much flack here. I would, I'd be, I'd be frightened and fall on my face too. Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. Now while he was talking with me, I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. By the way, I believe a lot of times, you know, when you come into the presence of God, your, your flesh and blood body, we can't, it, it does not know how to react. Okay? That's why you see people oftentimes falling out in the spirit or whatever. They, they, they just, they, they, Faint, they pass out. I believe it's because our flesh and blood, when we get into, when when we get close enough to God's presence, that's it. It says I'm done. <laughs> it takes it takes the Lord saying, okay, 
Look, let me raise you back up. It happens, it happens a number of times in Scripture. You know, Daniel says that he fell into a deep sleep with his face to the ground. He touched me and made me stand upright. And he tells him what this is. The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece, right, with the eyes of the first king. So this is um, uh, Alexander the Great. Right, he comes through. Then, uh, and then it comes down through. It says, it actually gets down into Antiochus Epiphanes, who is the one, remember Hanukkah? Right? Everybody knows Hanukkah, which is not in scripture, but it's a history of the Jews. Then Antiochus Epiphanes comes and wants to destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And uh, the, the Maccabees take a stand and, um, and hold him off, right? This is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes because he, he comes to the, uh, to the temple and, and, tries, and, what's it, and tries to defile it. You get Hanukkah, that's another story, okay? But um, this is so detailed that it goes into chapter 9, okay? And have you, have you heard of the 70 weeks of Daniel? Okay, the 70 weeks of Daniel, Daniel gives the, the exact time frame of when the Messiah was going to come. It's actually 70 heptads. It's 490 years from the time that Cyrus, he didn't say Cyrus here, but Isaiah does and, and Ezra does. When Cyrus gives a command to, to go and to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, from that time until the Messiah it would be 490 years, inside of 490 years. And it happened. That's a whole other sermon. But the understanding of Daniel is so accurate, so detailed, so amazing. That you can go and you, it's, it's like reading a history book through the last several chapters of Daniel. To the point that he details the number of years from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah. Understanding. We need that type of understanding today. The type of understanding that people in society, whether that's on the local level, somebody on the street, or somebody in the, in the town hall, somebody in the state house, somebody that's a friend or a family member or a relative, somebody that you work for, that they will say, you know what, I need wisdom. Where are my Christians? And they may not be. They'll say, I need understanding of this. Give me a Christian to help me. Right? We need to remember it's not about your stature. Okay? Any of you, don't you dare discount yourself. I don't care what you look like, what your education level, I don't you dare discount yourself. I will get a wet noodle out and whip you. <laughs> All right? It's not about your stature. 
It's about the Spirit of God. Commitment to follow out to follow the Lord's principles, no matter what the cost. It may be, if you do this, you're going to get fired. If you do this, you will lose family or friends. If you do this, it's going to it's going to cost you some way. No, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be committed. It doesn't matter if anybody looks at me sideways. I, in the south, I don't care if it uh, if it hair lips the governor, right? I'm going to do it no matter what the cost because it's the Lord's principles that count. We're going to do it with humility. Right? It's not about you. It's not about you. You may be, you might have the good looks and you might be pretty smart, but it's not about you. It's, it's the understanding that comes from the Lord himself. Right? And then, be, be a person that is repentant, both of your own sins and the sins of the people of God. Be attuned, because we, we worship a holy God, and we, we've got to be intercessors, okay? We've got to be intercessors for not only our society, which we need to do that too, but we need to be intercessors for the people of God. And I believe that the understanding Spirit of understanding. God's poured that out, but we need to tap into it. And be like Daniel. Amen. Amen. Alright, let me let me pray. And um well, once again just pray that the Lord will, will pour out his spirit upon us. Lord, I pray for each person here today, for those who are Online, those who are friends and family that may not be with us. Lord, I am. Lord, we desperately, I know, I'm, I'm going to just speak for me, Lord. I desperately need to be filled with the sevenfold spirit of the Lord. Desperately, Lord. To operate in the spirit every day with my family with the church with with work with with um, on the street Lord everywhere I go I desperately need to be filled by the spirit of the Lord and all of the fullness that he is Lord I pray that you'll do that for each and every one of us let the Holy Spirit come Spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the fear of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us. Lord, let us operate, not just here, although this is a great training ground, but Lord, let us operate in the church and outside the church in the fullness of your spirit. Lord, I bless each person here today. I bless them in the name of the Lord. I bless them as they go out, that they will go out with, with strength, with might. Lord, that they will go out in, uh, full of your protection and full of your provision. That they will, they will go out um, looking like Jesus. 
that everywhere they go, people will look and say, there's one of those Jesus freaks. Well, let it be. Lord, whether, whether they believe it or not, Lord, let, us, let them recognize us as one of yours. so much for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.